0: I don't know about you, that makes me feel manly, How's not it? And the holy, holy, little Elvis, man, good stuff. And just for those who may not know, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, um, just those who may not have grown up in the church a lot, or um, stuff, just because some people are the like, holy ghost, I don't have a ghost, that's scary. But Well, it's good to see everybody back uh, this week, because I know last week was... A little bit of a challenge uh, for everybody, including myself. I almost didn't come back because I was so convicted. Um, but uh, it's great to have you guys back, and um, you manned up, you're here. Um, and we learned some things that kind of focus on men, but we're women, you can learn some things. For those who are first time with us, uh, just a extra welcome to you. Um, we'll try not to make this too scary for you. Um, but we, we just did a series through the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, kind of about what uh, a godly woman is about, and so now we're looking at, at guys and uh, what a godly man looks like. Uh, yesterday, I went to a, a funeral of a friend of mine who passed away, who's 65 years old, uh, had early onset dementia <clears throat> uh, for 10 years, so he got it when he was 55, which that's two years away from me. Um, but it was just really, it was neat. I wasn't going to put this in my intro today, I had some, another way to start out the message, but... <clears throat> Sitting there in the funeral, uh, in the service, I was just, you know, thinking about this message, and his two sons, he's got three sons, but two of them got up and spoke. Uh, the youngest is a pastor, um, both of the sons were in my youth group down in Fremont, and, um, and and so Ben, he gets up and he shares about his dad, and you know, when we think about a manly man, right, a, a real man, we think usually, you know, World's Strongest Men competition, you know, that's on TV. So I like to watch that and dream of what that must be like. Um, Pulling a train with your teeth. I love that, you know. Um, So I go out and I find Ollie's little train and I'm pulling it with my hand. Um, Anyways, that's not what they talked about. Ben and Jeremy, Ben's, like I said, is a pastor. And he's, boy, he is just really good with words. I just sat there and I don't cry at funerals. Uh, Usually, and but man, I was yesterday just hearing how beautifully he talked about his dad and who his dad was, and it was it was interesting. Both he and Jeremy. Jeremy's a little bit more kind of a hands-on kind of guy. He's not a he doesn't use words for a living. He uses his hands and builds stuff. Like he's the guy who comes up with all these different sets for all the the campuses, and he's incredibly talented. Uh, With stuff. I I don't like him at all because of it. But um, (laughs) no, he's one of these guys. He can sing, he can play instruments, he can build instruments, he can build computers, he can build stuff. That's just not fair, you know? Um, But, anyways, what was interesting when they're talking about their dad, they didn't talk about any um, earthly possessions. They talked about who he was as a man, who he was as a person, and, and how he. Did things that were um, intentional was one of the words they used about him. He, he smiled all the time. Just, a, just a wonderful guy. He's, you know, he's about this tall, um, not a big guy, but man, just he walked in the room, he lit up a room. He just, uh, just a wonderful man. I mean, I, I've known him for many years. Um, one of the things that's kind of struck out or stuck out to me was I was reminded of is they were talking about their dad. Their, their dad. Um, His job caused him to move around a lot. And so when they moved to Fremont, they decided, we're going to stay here. And then Jim, he went to different jobs. So he traveled, but his family stayed in one location. But that didn't stop him from doing what was necessary as a godly man to make sure that his boys had godly influences from men in his life. He couldn't be there a lot of the week. He'd come home on weekends. So what he did, and I, and I was one of those guys, he went to guys in the church and he said, "Hey, listen, would you guys do me a favor? Would you um, kind of just watch my boys look over my boys, pour into my boys, help my boys know what it means to be a godly man?" And he would actually send father's Day cards to those men because they were helping him raise his kids, which is what a church family is supposed to do, right? And so it was just you know it was just beautiful, and it just reminded me. Of what it really means to be a man, you know. Jim loved his wife. He he made sure that she was taken care of. He made sure his boys were taken care of. And they didn't remember the financial side of stuff. They didn't remember all the possessions that he had. They didn't remember any of that. They just remembered who he was, and really how he um, how he approached even his illness was, uh, you know, just beautiful to see. Well, last week I made a point that, uh, as men, you know, again we're talking to men, that whether we're having marriage issues, you know, issues with our kids, our finances, our work, personal sin issues, the Bible has something to say about these things. That there's a way to um, go into those things and and bring healing and bring impact. And if we do it God's way, maybe a better way to put it is this way. I'm kind of a guy who watches people, Um, not in a weird way. I just kind of observe what's going on in their lives. Just looking over here at Bill, just making sure he understands that. No, you observe people, right? And you see people who go through difficult times. And you watch, especially Christians who go through difficult times. And one of the things that I've noticed, and again, thinking about Jim and how he went through his difficult time and me trying to do life God's way and how we've faced difficult times and sometimes I've not responded well, but when a a person who's really trying to do life God's way, when they they come up against difficult times, they face that time and there seems to be, uh, there doesn't seem to be like a whole bunch of emotional upheaval in their lives. I mean, they might be obviously emotionally involved in it, but it's not upheaval, there's not... You know, there's not the wringing of hands, and there's not just constantly wondering. And you know, there seems to be a confidence about them. There seems to be that like they have a plan, or there's a determination. And then when they do it, as they go through it, then it comes out the other side, and it's like good has happened from that. If nothing else, they've grown closer to the Lord and understood more about who He was. And so there's there's that kind of good coming out of it. But when when Christians don't do it God's way. It's interesting to watch what happens, and I, and I, again, I, I, I'm around this all the time because I'm usually one of the people they'll call, and there's there's emotional upheaval and there's uncertainty, and there's wringing of hands, and I don't know what to do, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, and, it, and it's just like, wow, have you have you taking a time to time to look into God's word to find out how you're supposed to impact that situation, how you're supposed to respond? He's given us the instructions, you know, right here. For how we're supposed to do it. Well, I kind of felt like I really was challenging last week. And uh, so this week I want to look at maybe a little more positive um, side of things. And that is I want to look at a promise. And again, this is for women too, but we're focusing on men. So. But there's a promise that God gives, and, and David expresses it to Solomon, his son. So you can go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 2. It's page 349 if you're using the Bible there in the, in the chair. And this, this promise, as all God's promises do, directly impacts the issues I just got done talking about, whether it's marriage, family, um, finances, work, personal sin issues, whatever those issues are that we deal with, God's word has something to say, and God has a promise for us men on how to deal with those things that we're going through. So let me go ahead and read this. It's just four verses. Um, So, this is David talking to his son Solomon. He says this As David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I'm going the way of all the earth. So be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. So that the Lord may carry out his promise, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. There's actually two promises there. We're not going to look at the second one because as far as I know, none of you guys are Jewish royalty. No. So um, some of you guys may think you are, but you're not. So we're not going to look at that last one. We're going to look at the first one. And did you see the first one? That if, that if Solomon did certain things, that God was going to do certain things for him. David is on his deathbed. We've talked about this. We went through 2 Timothy and Paul's last words. When we come to the final um, time where we're about to breathe our last, it, it clicks in us what is the most important thing about life. And so we want to share what that is for people. And so David is sitting on, or laying on his deathbed, and he, he sees Solomon there. Now, his, Solomon's half-brother, um, Adonijah, in chapter 1, he appointed himself king. He said, I'm king. So he got himself a prophet, and he grabbed himself a priest, and he got some of the guys from the army, and they had a long, you know, um, procession and they had a big party going on and he's saying, I'm king, I'm king. And so David finds out about it. He pulls Solomon in and he wants everybody to know. And so he gives him this charge that Solomon is the king. God said that Solomon was supposed to be the king. And so he gives him this charge. And so before we get into the promise, we need to understand the charge. And, and the first part of the charge is, is that Solomon is to be strong, Right? That sounds like a good thing for a king, right? To to be strong, it, it means to to fasten upon, to be courageous. And I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to be a man, right? I guess I'm the only one who has a hard time being a man. But let me tell you about how hard it is for me being a man. No, it is. We don't. Where do we go for a definition of a man today? Seriously, go to media. Does, does media have an idea of what a, a real man is supposed to be? I mean, you can have the, the Titan games, you know, with The Rock and these guys, muscle-bound guys doing all these cool stuff. And Well, then the women show up, and they're just as tough as the guys. So I'm not sure if that's helping me out. <laughs> and then you, you come over to this side, and he's like, I'm not sure I can pull that off to be that kind of man. And uh, Where do we go? Politicians. You know, maybe they'll give us a good definition of what it means to be a man. Not going to go any further with that. How about science? Maybe science will come up and tell us what it means to be a man. Now, huh. So what happens? Well, so what do men do? Men just then, boys become men, not really sure what's going on. So they're just going to do what they think they should do. And so they just go about doing life the way they think they should do life and kind of picking and choosing what sounds good to them. Or or they imitate what they've seen other guys doing in their lives, their dads, their uncles, their brothers, or just a neighbor. And they
1: start doing what those guys do. And then their lives are just messed up. Their lives are in shambles. So, So what do we do with that? You need to be strong.
0: Doing God's way is, we need to be strong. We, we need to be committed to doing life God's way. So David continues on. He says, not just to be strong, but you need to show yourself a man. I always get the English, show yourself a man. You know, It's funny because if David were here today, the phrase he would use is, you need to man up. This is a perfect you know, It's just a forceful, when he says show, it's forceful. You need to man up. You need to do what's necessary to, to lead this nation. The responsibility is massive. There are, going to be come, there are going to be people coming for your throne. There's going to be nations trying to tear down Israel. You're going to have your own family trying to take your throne from you. You're going to have a bunch of people telling you how you should be the king. You need to man up. You need to do it God's way. You're going to stand before God one of these days, Solomon, for how you led the nation. And it's true for us men. We're going to stand before God one of these days for if we're married for how we've dealt with our wives and and how we've uh, raised our kids and how we managed our finances and how we worked. I was going through my message this morning, and every once in a while I throw these little truths. So if you get nothing else out of this morning, maybe get this. The truth is we need to man up, and manning up means to make a determined commitment to trust God's way. So however God says to do life in the Bible, by living God's way, no matter what might come our way. Because, see, here's the deal: here's what happens a lot of times. Especially if you've been around church for a long time, you're really good at talking the talk. Right? You get together with some guys, you're talking, and oh, sorry, it's church. So, yeah, yeah, so God, yeah, Jesus and stuff. You know, we're really good. Yeah, I've been praying about this and I've been thinking about this, and then Monday hits. Okay, so now you're going to trust God and actually do whatever it is he's calling you to do, however it is you're supposed to respond. And that's Paul's next, or Paul, did it again. I, my son's like, man, you talk about Paul a lot. You're even calling David Paul. Yeah, that's his middle name. David Paul King is his name. But anyways, <laughs> that's beside the point. You guys didn't know that in the Hebrew, it actually is David Paul King. Is this, no? Right. Well, that's the next thing that David tells Solomon that he needs to obey. Now, he, he says a lot more words, he puts a lot more, he basically takes every little bit and piece of the law and throws it out there, but whatever Solomon was supposed to do as king, God had given it to him plainly, clearly, in the law. It was there. What do I need to do here? It's in the law. What should I do here? It's in the law. The, the other thing, he gave him prophets who talked directly with God, and so they could tell him
1: what to do. Here's the cool thing. That happens for us too.
0: 2 Peter, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of of Jesus our Lord. You want grace and peace in your life? You you want to see God working in your life? Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything Everything, everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Wow. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. What does that mean? He's given us everything for spiritual life, but he's also given everything for physical life for godliness, to do life God's way. Everything we need. If you're sitting here going, man, I'm not really sure if I, you have it. If you've put your faith in Christ, then through Christ, you have everything you need because God, the Holy Spirit is in your life and you have God's word in your life. It is, there it is. It's awesome. Everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. And then the knowledge of him is a personal experiential knowledge. Whereas you face difficult times, as you, if you're having marriage issues and you're you're struggling with this relationship with your wife, if you would step forward with trust and do it God's way, if you would just do that, you have everything you need, and you'll know God better, you'll know Christ better, you'll see him at work doing things that you'd never could imagine before. I'm not saying weird things that your wife's gonna levitate and you know I, I'm saying there's gonna be changes happening in your heart and her heart. Say with your kids and work situation, finances, here at church, whatever it is that God's called you to do. So
1: having said that, David goes on with his promise to Solomon. Did you catch it? He says you would have success in everything you do and wherever you
0: go. How you like to walk around life with that kind of confidence. Every decision Solomon would make, he could make it and have success out of it. Everything he touched could turn to gold. No, it's not the Midas touch. No, he could could make decisions and it'll be successful. And when he goes to do things, It'll be successful. I I would love to walk, you know, wake up on Monday morning or Tuesday morning, and go to work, or deal with uh, the struggles in my life, and know that I could have success
1: in responding to that, dealing with that. We can. Now you have to understand what success is, right? You have to understand what God's measure of
0: success is. We're not saying you do life God's way and you're going to get a 72 vet. I'm praying for that. I'm not saying it's going to necessarily happen. Okay? That's not success in God's eyes. When you think of who the most successful person was in God's eyes, I hope Jesus Christ comes to mind. Success is us becoming more like Christ. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That's what success is to God and accomplishing his plans through us. Jesus lived a life serving others, but ultimately to go to the cross and provide salvation for us. He wants us to be doing the same thing for our wives, for our kids, for our grandkids, great-grandkids, church family, co-workers, neighbors. That's success that he's talking about. But here's the point I really wanted to get to this morning. This is, the, this is the cool factor, I think. This promise that David tells Solomon doesn't just happen here. God wants us to get this point down so much that he has repeated this promise numerous times throughout the entire Bible. We're only going to look at five of them. We'll get done about 3 o'clock this afternoon. That's fine. You're fine. I think we'll bring in lunch, Whatever. No, we'll we'll rip through them pretty quickly. But there's there's five of the numerous times where God makes this promise to us. Now again, this is for all of us, but we're focusing on men. So the first one, all the way back in Genesis, chapter 2, when it was just Adam, right? He's perfect, All right? Looked kind of like this. (laughs) Bald little overweight. You're getting there, Bill. All right. <laughs> you notice how Bill's moved to the front row? I think he's like, I'm going to go up there and he can use me for... Anyway, all right, you got to love Bill, I'm telling you. Anyways, but look, look what it says here. So then the Lord God took man, Adam. We're, we'll explain this at the end, but put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded a man saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. This is why it's so fun to study the Bible when you start pulling out these truths that come from it. That word put, it's only used, uh, it's in the Hebrew, but it, anytime it's used in the Hebrew, it's used for being placed before God in worship. So Israel going into the promised land, it was a work of God, a worship of God. Something put before the altar um, in the tabernacle and that kind of thing. It's put there. So it's a specific word. So God, by the way, verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8, it says it placed him. He uses
1: a different word. This time he puts puts put. So get this. So God puts.
0: Adam in the garden. He puts Adam in the garden because Adam was to manage. What does it say? He's to serve, cultivate or serve, keep or protect. So God's given Adam the garden. That's his world. And and Adam's responsible to manage it. He's supposed to care for it, cultivate it. In other words, serve God through that. He's supposed to protect it, which not too much to have to protect because it was perfect, right? No rotting fruit, no weeds to deal with, right? And God's saying, listen, everything that I've given you, you've got everything you need.
1: Just worship me with how you handle it. That's what he's saying. Everything. You can eat of any tree of this garden it's all yours
0: just please do one thing for me don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you've got one job don't eat don't think you know better than I do of what you should do even if it's something that looks so good because we know in Genesis 3 they looked at it and said "What, that looks pretty good for eating and they ate it And sin came and destroyed their marriage, destroyed their children, turned their lives into a shambles, and here we are today
1: with constantly dealing with lives that are shambles because we're not doing it God's way. God's like,
0: you got everything. And for us, guys, everything we have is God's. And he's saying, you take it and you worship me with your life by managing it the way I want you to manage it. I want you to protect it. I want you to care for it. Your needs will be met. Don't worry about your needs.
1: Just do it my way. Trust me. I've got your back. Just don't try it your way. Deuteronomy, Israel standing outside the promised land for the second time.
0: They're determined to go in. And so Moses says this Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God. Diligently. Because it's not easy, right? I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. Understand that, right? Diligently obey the Lord your God. Be careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you. And he lists those later on, three, you know, through the end. And over I love this word. Overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. God is just gonna overtake you. It's just gonna be, whoa, cannot believe what God's doing in my life right now, because I'm doing life his way. I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking about showering you with you know your latest want. But his blessings and his understanding and what he does with other people's lives. I mean, those of you who are making and have made tough choices in the past to do life God's way, you know what I'm talking about. Your mind right now is going back to those situations. He's saying, hey, you go into the land, you do it my way, I got you covered. The nations won't be able to de- defend themselves even because I got you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover that. I'm going to meet your needs, I'm going to take care of you. Again, not saying it's going to be easy. This is why he says what he says to Joshua. So Moses has died. Joshua and the nation is ready to go into the land. God says this to Joshua Be strong and courageous. Kind of sounds like what David was saying. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. So that you may have success wherever you go. Man, it sounds almost like David read this, right? Before he told Solomon. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall meditate on it day and night. Why would he, Joshua have to meditate it day and night? I don't know about you, but like when I'm stressed, when I got stuff going on in my life, there's some times where I can't sleep at night. And so I wake up in the middle of the night. What am I supposed to do? Worry? Wring my hands? Wonder? Come up with all sorts of, what if this happens, what if that happens, if I do this, and this, says, and this, and they say this, and they say that. And I, <laughs> no, meditate on God's word day and night. God doesn't mind if you fall asleep in prayer, by the way. I don't know if I told you this. I was, I was having my uh, devotions and personal time to the Lord one, one morning on my day off, and I thought, you know, I'm going to stay awake, so I'm going to get on my knees. So I'm at the coffee table on my knees, so I take my glasses off, and I was wearing glasses at the time. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, I'm like this, right? And then next thing you know it, my hands come down. Bam! I slam, and I smash the glasses. Because I had fallen asleep uh, when I was on my knee. I, you know, when you're falling asleep and you're like, falling off, pff, smash my glasses, and I'm like, way to go, Harold. Anyways, God's okay if you fall asleep in your prayer at night. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, I think David might have read this right before talking to Solomon. Be strong and courageous. He said it three times. Because it's important. But he's, he's strong and courageous only if he doesn't turn from the right or to the left. Only if he's careful to do whatever it is that God's Called him to do. Again, not that life is going to be easy, because if you know the story, they went in, and they actually had battles. They had to expend energy. It wasn't just like them going, and a guy was, you know, knocked over. Someone's breath might be able to knock somebody over. These guys had to swing the swords and the spears and do all the fighting. They had to do it. They might have got bumps and bruises going on. It was only when they didn't do it God's way that people died. But they had to fight. They had to do it. We're going to have to work, guys. We're going to have to go at it. We're going to have to get into the Bible. We're going to have to figure things out. But God's got their back. God will have our back. Jump into into the New Testament, the Gospels. One of the passages we talk an awful lot about, but it's always good to be reminded. Jesus saying, "Do not worry, then." Saying, "What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing?" For the Gentiles or non-believers, those who are not following Christ, eagerly seek after all these things. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What's he saying? Again, there are times as Christians that we start getting all worked up, and we think that we need what everybody else around us tells us we need. And then we get all worked up and we're all emotionally charged and we're, we're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days, because i got to take care of everything. i gotta, I got to manage everything. i got to, I, 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 me, me, me. And pretty soon life is just completely out of whack. They've forgotten the principle from chapter 2 of Genesis. Jesus is reminding us, do life my way care about my kingdom, care about my righteousness, do life my way for my purposes and I'll take care of your needs. We got financial needs in our lives and we start doing what everybody else does. Well, maybe we should take a step back and say, okay, God, help me understand how am I not maybe doing my finances your way? Study up what finances are in Scripture. How am I not doing my marriage your way? How am I not raising my kids your way? And then get into the Word and ask God to help you understand where you might be not doing it His way. We've got, sadly, too many Christians who are trying to meet their needs. And I want to take a little bit of a a jump away from possessions because our minds kind of go to possessions. But let's talk about our emotional needs. Let's talk about our mental needs. Let's talk about who we are as people and our character down deep in our soul who we are? How are we meeting that need? What are we doing to to handle those issues? I talk to way too many Christians
1: who are trying to do it the way the world does it. Not the way God says to do it.
0: People whose lives are in turmoil, they don't have to be that way. How do I know that? Because God says it. I'm slowly reading through a book. It's supposed to be for the average man. Uh, it must be less than average. He man, I'm working through it. But it, the, the main point is he's talking about depression and he's talking about that it's not a sin and it's not uh, a sickness. And he's, he, Basically, his point is this, as far as I've gotten so far, is that we, especially as Christians, we have it in our heads We'll say that, hey, come to Christ and your life won't necessarily get easier. We'll tell it to people, right? You hear me say that a lot? We say that, but in our heads and in our hearts, we're like, yeah, but I shouldn't have to get sick. Or I shouldn't have to deal with negative thoughts. You know, I, don't have to, I shouldn't have to deal with um, emotional needs. It should all be healed, Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that that's going to be healed this side of heaven. It just doesn't. Why? Because it's through those things that we get to know who God is better. And other people see God at work in us. I've taught you guys this, but I, I'm a guy. I'm melancholy in my personality. I know it surprises people what I am. When It's just Kim and me sitting at the house. I'm quiet, melancholy. I have a, I, I can, I'll tell you everything that's negative about this room and, you know, what's not painted right, and, and, and I did a lot of the painting, so I know. I, I do that, and when you, when you live that way, everything becomes that way, and you become very discouraged. You can become very frustrated, and, and like Paul, I've asked God, take it away. Paul says, take the thorn away. I've asked God, take this away, but he doesn't. Why? Because this earth is not heaven. This earth is evil and sinful, and I have sin in me, and God wants to use my weaknesses for his glory. For my growth, and for other people to see how God works, the fact that I can share that with you—you you who understand what I'm saying—there's hope. Some of you guys have no clue what I'm talking about, and that's great. Praise the Lord! You got some other issues you got to deal with, it because you do, because you're a human. No, you do. All <laughs> gets back there. No, my wife, my wife doesn't have this issue, but she's a sinful person, so she has some issues, like like one um, that she's. You know, we're working on that. Anyways. So a lot of times, I'm working off of emotion, and it's a negative emotion. But we can't work off of our feelings. Feelings shift. I'm feeling down. I grab some sugar. I'm not feeling down anymore for about 30 minutes. And then now I'm even more down than I was beforehand. Feelings change. Truth is what matters. So I spend my mornings before, I'm drinking coffee. I spend my mornings with God in the Bible, and I write out my prayers so I can think it, see it, and I tell God, you're God, I'm not. You're infinite, I'm finite. You're sovereign. I have no clue what's happening in the next minute.
1: And I constantly remind myself of that. Jesus says, do life focused on
0: my kingdom and my righteousness. Do life my way for my purposes. And then Paul jumps into the act, because I've got to have Paul in there. And we know that God causes all things, all things, To work together for good. Even my battle with these thoughts that sometimes just wear me out. He works together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Love, agape love. Biblical love is looking out for the best of somebody else no matter what the cost is to you. Biblical love, loving God, looking out for the best of God no matter what's going to cost me. What's going to cost me? It's going to cost me putting my feelings aside and focusing on the truth Taking a step of faith, trusting what God says, and then doing life God's way in spite of how I'm feeling. That's me loving God. I don't know what your issue is and what you need to do, but that's very similar to whatever it is that you're dealing with. He's going to work it out for good. If I love Him and if I'm called according to His purpose, what's His purpose in my life? Verse 29 says, to be conformed to the image of Christ. What does God want for me? He wants me to look more and more like Christ. How is He doing that? A bunch of different ways, but one of the ways is me having to submit myself and my thoughts to him and let him take over and renew my mind and change how I live. So as the band comes up, we do takeaways just to kind of bring it all together. There's a a negative stereotype of men, and so maybe you guys have lived this, I know I have. Um, and that's something like this. Grandparents give the kids uh, a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. and it's, um, it's something you have to put together. It's a bike or some other thing. So what do you do? You get it out of the box. You put all the pieces out. You start putting things together. And you're frustrated and you're irritated because you got screws left over. you you got pieces left over. And if you're like me, you're like, I'm not sure what that piece is for, but (laughs) at least I don't want to punch the wall. You know, I guess they gave him a frustration tool. Release frustration. Men don't use instructions. That's the stereotype of men. We don't use instructions. "Ah, We're going to go at it. We're going to make this happen. Here's the problem. (laughs) We can't do that with our lives. We probably shouldn't do that with the toy or the bike. We can't do that with our lives, guys. If we're gonna go at our lives without instruction, looking at the instruction manual that God has given us, we're gonna be guys sitting on the living room floor and our lives are gonna be laying around us trashed. We're gonna have pieces of our kids laying around and pieces of our wife laying around and our jobs and our finances. We we gotta figure this out. So, three takeaways. Don't be that guy. Be the guy who uses the instruction manual. Be the guy who's going to commit to doing it so we're not sitting there with messed up lives around us. Secondly, read the instruction sheet. Get in the Bible. Know it. And I say this all the time. You need help with that? That's what I'm here for. That's We got our microgroup starting up this, this uh, in March. Join one of our micro groups—just two or three, four guys getting together, reading the Bible together, encouraging each other, praying each other, talking about the Bible together. Just helping each other through whatever life throws at them. We got our men's Bible study. We we get together Thursday night here at seven o'clock, and we're going through Romans right now, getting some foundational stuff about what it means to be a, a you know saved and what it all means for us. But sometimes we just kind of put that aside because somebody's got some issue, something going on, and we just talk about it together and use God's word and say, hey, here's what we've learned from God's word, here's what we learned from our lives. We need to be helping each other. And last one of this do life God's way, because he's got your back. He's gonna have your back if you do it his way. He's there for you. he wants you to do it because it, it just draws people to him even more. And that's what he ultimately wants. Heavenly Father, I just pray for our church family, especially for the guys. And obviously, this is, the women need this as well. But for us men and, and the younger guys in our church who are coming up, man, we got to nail this. Lord, I pray that you would help us, that we'd be humble, that we wouldn't be prideful, that we'd be humble and say, no, I, I get it. I, I don't know everything. I, I don't do that well in my life. I'm not loving my wife well. I'm not raising my kids well. I, I'm not doing my work situation well. I'm not handling finances. I'm not doing church well. Whatever the issue is that we're dealing with, I'm not dealing with a personal sin issue well. Father, help us to be humble, to take the step necessary to be in your word, to trust you, and
1: to have others help us and to know that you got our back. In Christ's name.